time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in, everyone. That's the sound of an ice rink. Nat sound, as, as they call it. I'm Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show, joined by Joe Starkey from Cook and Joe, who just finished a lovely-looking lunch. He's now leaving where he was eating. Shelby Cassessi, live from the Odyssey Pittsburgh headquarters, where she's been working hard all day, covering stuff for KDKA. And Jeff Hathorne, who, as uh, mentioned, is at the aforementioned ice rink, getting ready to hear from Ron Hextall for his 4 p.m. Eastern media availability. Who's winning the game and have any parents fought each other yet, Jeff? So Pittsburgh and Gilmore are tied 1-1. And I will say even the parents are too young for Ron Hextall to trade for. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you must be at least 30 if Ron Hextall is interested in you at this trade deadline. Welcome into Fifth Avenue Faceoff. This is live on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page. And also... In your Odyssey app, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and you'll get the latest episodes delivered to you as soon as they're ready. Having some friends on with me to live uh, break down the NHL trade deadline because it seems like Ron Hextall is done. And it seems like the outgoing pieces were Teddy Bluger, Kasperi Kapanen, Brock McGinn, a handful of draft picks for Mikhail Granlund, Nick Bonino, 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 and Dmitry Kulikov. So... Before we get into anything else, I'm going to ask just a very simple question, and I'll start with you, Joe, because you look excited for this right now. Are the Pittsburgh Penguins better than they love you, Joe. Just for that goal? They love you. <laughs> Joe Starkey, are the Pittsburgh Penguins better now than they were a week ago? I'll uh, turn the question back on you. Do they still have Kasperi Kapanen and Brock McGinn? <laughs> no, they don't. So is it addition by subtraction, you're saying? Yes, they're better. Those two had combined for as many goals as you and I over the past month. So I actually like this. I've reversed my opinion even since yesterday on the Penguins. I think they're playing well. I think they have a little spark to their game. And Nick Benino's numbers are the same as they ever were. He didn't have a step to lose, so he hasn't lost a step. And uh, Kulikov just hammers people. I like him. So, yes, I'm quite uh, quite enamored with this. Uh, yeah, Jeff, I mean, it seems to me, I like the Benino deal. Granlund, my jury is out. I was not a fan of it at the time. Kulikov, it depends how much he's going to play, if at all, because right now he looks like a seventh defenseman. But all that being said, I think Joe makes a great point. Bluger. Uh, was not having a great year. Kapanen McGinn out of the way, though, and you only had to hand off a few draft picks. Um, to me, this team looks better than it was, even if it's only incrementally better. They're better than they were a week ago. Yeah, I don't, I, to your point, I don't think they're they're much better, but giving up on Kapanen, I think, is a big deal. They gave him so many opportunities, <laughs> like just to move on from that, let alone the contract, but to move on from that. I think Benino is an upgrade over Bluger. Yeah, even though he's six years older because, I mean, he's a better player right now. Plus, he can take over those penalty kill responsibilities. He blocks shots. He plays the game the right way, and hopefully that will help some of the younger guys watching the way Benino plays. And, I, I mean, I don't think Granlund's a bad player. The worst part of, of Granlund is you owe $10 million over the next two years in years where you're trying to sign 
Jari, Zucker, and Jake Gensel in 2024. Well, what I liked about Granlin's immediate impact anyway in the Nashville game was he helped kill off that five on three and he can skate. He can, not like he used to, but he can skate still. He can set things up. He can move the puck via passes through the neutral zone. And I think that's a positive. That's something this team hasn't had on the bottom six. And if he gets used in the bottom six role, then that's a positive. Shelby, this Penguins team, Look, it would have been hard for Ron Hextall to make this team worse, I guess. Maybe that's the way we should look at it. And as mad as we want to be at him for what he's done over the last two-plus years, maybe we should be somewhat satisfied with this trade deadline. I think where the satisfaction comes from, for me, is that they are better than they were last week, and that's a good thing. There needed to be some type of a move, whether it be for the space or whether it be to light a spark, and he made both of those moves. I am willing to give these new assets a chance because we have no really other choice, right? But where the aggravation kind of lies for me is it seems like he had been asleep at the wheel up until this point. You had time and you needed to make a move. You needed to get out of cap hell. You needed to make a move to send a spark into these guys as they descended down the standings. And now it seems like those moves, or at least the upcoming trade deadline in this last week, has been a motivating factor, and that's good news. Uh, I guess the jury's still out on these moves. I do think they've been better. I don't. I am not upset to see any of the guys who left go. Um, but I think where the issue lies with me is what it took to get to this point. And it seems like the Penguins, despite making moves here, didn't get their first priority options, which is what kind of makes me feel a little bit disgruntled about this so far. It's very important to interject with an unwanted opinion. Absolutely. Uh, Joe is now checking in from the front seat of his car. Did you leave Marianne at the restaurant? (laughs) This is how spoiled she is. She refuses to come out to the car. I have to go around and pick her up at the door. It's embarrassing. Is that uh, what you're at that wanted? age, aren't you? Yeah. That you get you... ready, Chris. You get ready. <laughs> oh, I'm there too. Don't worry, pal. Uh, is that what you wanted to interject with, Joe? Or do you have a thought on the way Hextall uh, went about this thing and his strategy and, and perhaps what Shelby said, waiting too long to pull the trigger? No, my, my thought was that the reason that I really feel good about this team suddenly isn't doesn't have anything to do with any of these deals. It has to do with a guy like uh, Jeff Petrie, one of Ron Hextall's big offseason deals. This guy, how many defensemen in the league score two goals on that goalie the way he did last night when he's right and healthy and Latang is right and healthy and Jari is right and healthy? They're a different team, and we, we haven't been able to say that almost all year. I sense a little spark, and I sense some of Hextall's off-season moves, namely Petrie, starting to come together. And, and the Texas, to me right now, look like a team that you don't want to play. And I wouldn't have said that a week ago today coming off the Edmonton debacle. I think that's a really valid point, Joe, but I would also push back that how long will they remain this healthy, given that we're right. headed down the stretch? Yeah, and that's the question. You know, yeah. we, we saw Chris Letang's face, half of it left on the ice last night. Good on him for coming back into the game and, 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 and toughing it out, but that's going to happen in the playoffs and guys aren't going to come back or it's going to be a more serious injury. And I don't know if they've got the depth. I mean, maybe that's the point of the whole, the whole point of the Kulikov deal or a Benino deal is it's more about depth uh, and, and getting through some of those injury spots in the postseason. But let, let yeah. me ask that question since Shelby brought it up. Did he handle the strategy of this past 
I won't say this past week. I think he dug himself out as, as much as he could yeah. over the past week, Joe. But based on what we saw in late January and most of February, did he wait too long to pull the trigger on bouncing Kapanen, moving McGinn out, being willing to give up uh, Bluger or an, another established depth guy to improve his bottom two lines? You're asking me? Yeah. Um, you know, that would depend on who was available. I, I don't know that he passed anything up. The Kapanen signing in the first place right. was just an unqualified disaster that's likely to have ramifications. I, I, I still don't know what in the world they were thinking by doing that. But no, I don't think he waited. I don't think he waited too long here to make deals. In fact, Darren Drager said they were in on JT Miller, made a very, an offer that even Vancouver said they liked. But the Penguins didn't have a desired centerman to give back to Vancouver, just draft picks. So I, I think, I think he's, he's, uh, he may not have made good deals, but it's not because he waited too long. See, Jeff, I, I am still of the opinion that I can be mad at the way Hextall handed the bulk of the moves he made over the last two years, two plus years, even if I'm satisfied with, like I said, the way he dug out of it somewhat over the last week. Well, and I, I think it is typical. And by the way, I love that Joe's takeout cup is half full. I, I, yeah. I love the optimism. Is, yeah. You know, I, I think this, when you sign guys to contracts, I think it's normal to, to want to give them every single chance you can because you're the one that signed them to that contract. So, you know, with McGinn, it's like, okay, he's going to bust out. The guy has 10 goals. He's going to find it again. I get it. You know, he plays the game mostly the right way. I, I kind of understand why they waited there, but it got to a point. Um, you know, people would say, well, why didn't you get rid of Jeff Carter? You have to assume that somebody wanted Jeff Carter, which – who would have? Who would have right. wanted him? Um, and, and I think to Joe's point about JT Miller, we hear these names and we get enamored with that. So immediately as fans, we think, ooh, JT Miller, Brock Besser, um, you know, the defenseman from Arizona. You know, like, oh, wow, okay, this is going to be the ad. And when it doesn't happen, then you're like, oh, we've got Grandland and Benino back. and But we could have had JT. Well, you don't know what that – whole scenario is and you don't know if that was ever going to be likely much like the tom wilson traded to <laughs> pittsburgh was never ever going to happen but people all of a sudden get excited about it because tyler kennedy said it as a as, to get attention well, how why whatever reason he said it for that was never going to happen so i think people fall in love with that even though it's so whatever you end up with is going to be a disappointment anyway yeah, I asked Tyler about that this morning on the Fan Morning Show, and he basically said he th he does think they could have used some grit at the deadline, but he didn't necessarily think that was going to lead itself to acquiring Tom Wilson. It was, you know, 50-50 to get a rise out of people, and hey, it worked. He's learned the radio industry well already. Um, let me ask you guys, how do you think – I'll start with you, Shelby. How does this lineup fit together now? Because the obvious – I mean, if you just look at it on paper right now, like I said, I don't know if there's a spot for Kulikov being a left-shot defenseman, and you've got Pedersen, POJ, and Dumoulin ahead of him. Benino slots in, I think, as, uh, I don't know, a, on the third line, I think, with Carter and Granlund. Um, and I imagine your fourth line involves O'Connor, Archibald, and Heinen bumping down. But again, um, is that the way it looks to you? And I think the greater question here is, with a guy like Granlund, who's a middle six player, 
will Sullivan be flexible enough in juggling his lineup as I think he was last night at times mid-game? Forget just between games, but mid-game to find the best possible matchups if a third line is struggling offensively, sliding a Rust or a Zucker down to give them a spark and maybe a Granlund up to play with Malkin or whatever it may be. Can they can they piece this lineup together that the bottom six can provide enough support to the top six, however they're aligned? Yeah, and you know, I think that the lines you mentioned are kind of how I see it playing out as well. But what you mentioned in the back half of that statement is where I think these moves could be the most impactful. This team, prior to these moves, they were so divided. It was the top two lines and the bottom two lines, and you weren't mixing and matching because you couldn't mix and match. Now I think these moves do allow you to have a little bit more flexibility from that perspective. Maybe you can move one of them up to just juggle the lines a little bit, give a team a spark mid-game. Um, that's where I think these moves can be most impactful, where you didn't have that prior to. And we've talked about this. I don't know that they're leaps and bounds better. They might be a little bit better. They might not be better at all. But I think you can at least get different looks in games where previously the Penguins just absolutely couldn't do that between the top half of their lineup and the bottom half. Yeah, Jeff, you're at most of the games. Is, is he going to be Sullivan flexible enough to avoid what Shelby just talked about there, that stratification of the lineup, especially mid-game. I, I, I think we could all see, uh, you know, we know Granlund, for example, has played well with Zucker in the past in Minnesota. They both talked about it. Uh, could we see him bump up to the second line occasionally and maybe give a little spark to the third line with Rust or any other alignment that involves being flexible? Do we expect Sullivan will actually be flexible? You know, I'll, I'll go back to something Sidney Crosby told us a couple years ago says, you know, we switch up a line and you guys come over and talk to me. I play with 25 different line combinations every year. He said that that's just the way Sullivan is. He likes to mix, mix and match at times. Or if somebody's hot, he switches it up. He likes to go more in pairs. I still don't want to mess, for instance, with Zucker. And I'm worried about Joe. Uh, <laughs> We've lost him. We've just got Aren't a blank screen now. Yes. Uh, I, but I, I do think he likes to work, you know, against Crosby. Probably Zucker and and Malkin. I don't know. Is is it a Granlin and Carter? That isn't something that's appealing. But uh, you know, I, I think that's where he works, and he, he moves other pieces around at times, as you've seen with Brian Rusk over his career. So I, I I don't think he's averse to doing that, and I do think he wants to feel what the best scenario is. Maybe it's Carter at wing and Granlin in the middle. I mean, I, I think he does have some options, especially now. Uh, with Benino as a guy that could slide up into the third line if they want to. Yeah, Benino's been all over the lineup with San Jose this year. He's got 10 goals. Joe mentioned that earlier before we lost him. He is now a blank, black rectangle. Oh, he's he back. There we go. <laughs> Joe, um, it, hello. Welcome back. We appreciate it. Um, is what, What's your opinion of how Sullivan handles this down the stretch? Does he look to find those locked-in combinations that he's found in past cup runs? HBK, you know, things like that. Or... Does he tell himself, though, the best way to handle this is that uh, you're going to have different middle six guys or different depth guys playing on different lines every night if you really want to find something in the playoffs? Oh, man, I, I think he's been a, he's been masterful uh, in playoff series. I know they haven't gone well lately, but that's not because they didn't own the territorial play the last couple of years. I went back and looked at Game 7 against Ottawa, the, the famous Game 7 and I remembered that during that series, Sullivan determined that because of the way Ottawa was playing, he wanted a a, a, a grit factor on every line. 
you go back and you look at lines for game seven, and you had Scott Wilson up with Malkin and Ruff. You had Kurt Brownie on the third line. You had one more from the previous year. He's ready and willing always to do whatever he thinks is best, and he knows that playoff time is no time to be patient. He might be patient during regular seasons, but not in the playoffs, and not with his goalies either. I mean, that's another example. Sully does what he thinks is best, and he does it He does it very quickly if things have gone south during the playoffs. So I agree with Shelby. Uh, and, yeah, like this gives him newfound flexibility. He may not like the pieces, but he's going he's gonna to manipulate them a lot. Yeah, well, and I, I, I think that's a good point. He has been quick to make changes in the postseason. My only complaint would be, and I love Mike Sullivan as much as anybody, that had he been more aggressive with changes over the last six weeks, perhaps we'd have a better idea of what they actually have in some of these guys rather than waiting for, oh, well, Kapanen's gone now. I can't play him on the third line anymore. Or, oh, McGinn's been sent to Wilkes-Barre and then traded. I can't play him on the third line anymore. But you do make a point in that he's always been able to find the right combinations in past playoff runs. What they haven't found the last couple of playoff runs is goaltending. And you brought it up, Joe. So I'll ask you first. That is the one thing it sounds like they didn't even consider addressing at this deadline, even though there were names out there. Are you confident? Are you confident in these two? Are you especially in Jari? Well, he's the only one who matters. But you have to go with the Smith the season's done. DeSmith has been okay lately. He's helped them in a couple games, but this, to me, is no different than having your quarterback in the NFL. If you're going with a backup, you're in survival mode. If you're going with your starter, especially if he's a a high-impact starter, and I think Jari's a top-10 goalie, everything changes. Everything. Your starting quarterback's back, and he's really good when you show up at the ring. Or the field, we know we have a chance to win. You know, I love the way he was staring people down last night. He gives this entire team a completely different persona. He's their starting quarterback, and he's really good. When he plays their 19-7-5, which is a 114-point pace, that's a number the Penguins have reached like three or four times in franchise history. I want to I want to run that back. 19-7-5? Yeah. That's that that says a lot of, and that says as much I think not just about Jari but about the way they play in front of him. So Shelby, I mean, is this if Jari stays healthy, this is more than a first round team, I would say, correct? If Jari stays healthy, you're going to see something and say they make the postseason. If he stays healthy and they make the postseason, we're gonna see something that we haven't seen in a couple of years now. And I think that is such the key for him is actually being healthy enough to make an impact in the postseason. He still has not had the opportunity to live down that awful postseason that he had. And that's been unfortunate for him because I think it's difficult for a team to let a guy go over a lack of availability. But I think he's somewhat reaching that point. If he doesn't stay healthy, if he's not ready for the postseason, the Penguins are in a really difficult situation where they might have to say, you're just not available enough for us. And that's a really hard thing to admit, I would think, 
But if he can stay healthy, we know what the Penguins look like when he is healthy. We know the type of goaltender he can be when he is healthy. I'll look forward to watching him try to live that previous playoff performance down because that is the very clear next step in his career. And if he can do that, then I think the Penguins have a goaltender for the future. And if not, it's going to go the other way. Jeff, how confident are you in Jari? And especially in the fact that let's, let's take Boston out of the equation. They face Carolina. They face Jersey. Um, let's throw those teams out there. They face one of those two teams in the first round. Is Tristan Jari enough to get them through to the second round? Well, how far have we come that in a couple of years we're begging for Tristan Jari to be the playoff goalie? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it shows to his maturity and credit to him for how far he's come with his game. Uh, listen, Boston and Carolina scare you. I mean, they've had incredible regular seasons. Um, that's why that when you start looking in like, you know, the Rangers are slumping a little bit. If there's some way you could get into that sixth spot instead of being seven or eight, it'd be such a valuable thing for the Penguins. But, you know, before we get to that point, you know, they've got to be more consistent and win some of these four-point games. Listen, if they had Tristan Jari last year, they beat the Rangers, period. Right. And they move on, and, and who knows or just what Smith. might happen. Yeah, yeah or, 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 or even or Smith. Smith. Yeah. You know, they uh, ended up with uh, spicy pork. <laughs> it was a great story, but wasn't a great goalie. Oh. And, and, you know, how quickly we forget, too, and I think it's flown under the radar, they were also without Ricard Raquel for the bulk of that yeah. series. They were. And that's, I mean, he's arguably been the best player on the ice, not named he's Crosby been, or Malkin. And he has been the best acquisition by Ron Hextall yep. in and, his career in Pittsburgh. He is a perfect fit. You know, and, you know, we're seeing why now that everybody, I know it wasn't his move, but why everybody loves Zucker. Because man, he is playing some high-level hockey, and that's why I'm, I'm encouraged to get in the playoffs. But if they're a seven or eight, I mean that is a gauntlet you're going to have to run uh, between Carolina and Boston. Yeah. Does it I, look like Does it look like my head is disembodied from the rest of me right now? Like I'm a floating head? Slightly. Okay. But it's a nice sweater you have on that makes it look that way because it yeah, kind of melts you with body. your beard. I can tell <laughs> you have a body. I guess better the, a head without a body than the other way around. I'm sorry. <laughs> True. No, no, it's a valid point, Joe. Uh, better, better the head still alive without a body than the body without the head because, hell, I don't know where we're going with this. Um, so <laughs> let, let, let me bring it back to, yes, we, we can give Ron Hextall credit for things. We'll give him credit for Raquel. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, you're, you're right, Jeff. Zucker's not his move, but Zucker has been a, a huge part of what has succeeded this year, which means Hextall's going to have to prove himself again this offseason before we get to that. is What's all this mean for Hextall? Do they still have to get – where do they have to get for Hextall to keep his job, or is it kept at this point? I'll start with you, Joe. Um, what does the work of the last week, specifically today, mean for Ron Hextall and his future in Pittsburgh? It means that they may have a better shot in the playoffs, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think it means anything until we see how it pans out. I think. I think. Here's the first question. Let's back up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody in this ownership group? What is what is Fenway Sports Group? Is there somebody who's emotionally invested in Pittsburgh and in the Penguins in that group? Nope. Does somebody there give a damn? Like, who's the face of this group? Do do, do do they really, really live and die with what's happening with the Penguins? Joe, I'm not saying Joe they let don't. me stop you for just a second. They don't. 
they're not even on the they're not even on the Fenway Sports Group website as one of their assets. <laughs> it just seems like a corporate takeover where right. somebody points out, oh yeah, we have the Penguins. Ah, I wonder what's going on there. Maybe that's unfair. But maybe that's how Ron Hextall skates to next season, even if they lose in the first round again. My sense in the end is if they if they have a great first round series against say the Hurricanes and lose in seven, to me, you probably bring him back. Um, if they don't, if they flame out badly or miss the playoffs, I sense that he's done if somebody cares enough to fire him. That's the question, Jeff. Who cares enough to move on from Hextall? I don't get the sense that Brian Burke is, not that he's not engaged, but I don't know if he's engaged enough at that level to want to fire Hextall if they get bounced by Carolina in five games, for example. I don't, but I know I know a couple guys who aren't engaged. John Henry and Tom Werner and right. Michael Gordon, the leadership at Fenway Sports Group. Michael Gordon's too busy over in Liverpool uh, overseeing them. And Werner and John Henry are too worried about the Red Sox and Nessus. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I don't know who calls Ron Hextall on the carpet if this thing does fall apart between now and the middle of April. And why don't we hear from Brian Burke? He's the team president. Why doesn't he talk? Why doesn't he give us an idea what they're saying if the Henrys aren't willing to talk or anybody from the Fenway Sports Group is just having a conversation with the lovable Rob Rossi, who is saying how many times he has asked to talk to somebody from the group, and he won't even get a, a recognition of emails or, or voicemails like like they didn't even exist at, the, at his request. Um, you know, and, and he and Josh Joey have both called for the firing, by the way, of of Ron Hextall. I, I think, mm-hmm. to your earlier point, if they don't make the playoffs or if they have a really bad first round of the playoffs, I don't know how you could bring Hextall back. I, even if ownership isn't isn't really involved, like how do you make that argument to other people in the front office? Like, hey, we need to sell tickets or we need to do this. Like, and this guy is just, they're, they're chanting his name to be fired in uh-huh. our games. Shelby, if there's not a first-round victory, is Hextall done? Those, what Joe and Jeff both said, uh, those are my two thresholds as well. It's got to be a first-round flop or uh, no playoffs for, I think, Ron Hextall to be out. However, the, um, you know, lack of emotion, I would say, from Fenway Sports Group might actually work against Ron Hextall. They have no emotional attachment to him whatsoever. They have no reason to keep him whatsoever. There is no one person in Fenway Sports Group who has some type of bleeding heart for Ron Hextall. And so I think with what he's done so far, I was think, I was looking back, I mean, he was brought on in 2021. It feels like a lifetime ago. It feels like way more than two years that Ron Hextall's been here with all of the different moves he's made and how unpopular many of them have been. But it just feels like that time, if they can't progress any further, and Lord knows if they miss the playoffs, then yeah, it's time. But if they can't progress any further than they have, in the last handful of years, he has a resume that doesn't exactly um, behoove him with the Penguins. And on top of that, his bosses don't have all that much of an emotional connection to him. So I think they've got to win a playoff series for him to stick around. Hey, Chris, Would anybody say care to hazard a guess as to how many playoff series Ron Hextall has won in six and a half years at the GM? Anybody? Give me a number, Joe, because I know you've got the answer already. It's less than one. That's not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. Wouldn't call it great, no. as they say. And, and, and let me let me say this. <laughs> to be fair to Ron Hextall, what he was asked to do is nearly impossible. 
because they said, all right, we're going to get bigger, we're going to win now, and we're going to win in the future. When you're up against the salary cap and you decide to, to sign these older players, it wasn't an easy job. And I think they didn't have a clear direction of where they wanted to go because it's almost how do you get better and worry about being better in five years when you've got this core of your team, especially after you sign them all, but yet they're telling him, well, we want, we still want to be better in the future. That is a fundamental mistake that is at a higher level, I think, than Ron. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he hasn't, he hasn't made errors in some of the moves he's made, but I think their overall philosophy and that you could do both is not reality. They, yeah. they should have been all in for now. And those moves could have been happening over the last two years more than just to Jeff Carter. Well, with all that said, then, with zero playoff ser- series wins for Ron Hextall as the general manager, but yet we're feeling, I wouldn't say effusively positive about where this team is at, but a little bit better than we did a week ago. Maybe, again, just because of addition by subtraction rather than anything else, but we're feeling incrementally better. How does this change your expectations, if at all, for this team, Jeff? Well, I'm really optimistic if they play Tampa in the playoffs. I'm feeling <laughs> really good about that matchup, uh, especially with some of the guys that don't score against anybody else that score against Tampa Bay. Um, you know, listen, they've won four in a row. I don't want to diminish that. We could be sitting here a week from now and, and saying, you know, they've lost three straight and you're feeling completely different. But I, I have to give it to them. You know, the fire Hextall chance happened. They released Kapanen. They, they had a huge weekend series. They won on the road in St. Louis. They beat Tampa twice, had a good other gutsy road win. So, I mean, yeah, that makes me feel better about this team going forward. And I will say this, even though the Grandland contract's on the books, at least a few of the other contracts that didn't pay off, if nothing else, they've washed them away for next year uh, as they look to retool. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how the Grandland contract on the books now affects what they want to do with Zucker in the offseason. I think it almost makes re-signing him an impossibility unless you move another contract off the books. <coughs> Brian Russ, perhaps. Um, that was a terrible cough to cover up what I was actually trying to say. <laughs> I apologize. Shelby, have your expectations changed at all based on what we've seen in the last week, especially the last 48 hours? No, in terms of the moves made, um, I don't really have any changes in the way I feel this season's going to go. I feel like they will squeak into the playoffs, but I don't think this team has done is not any better that they can win a playoff series i think they will lose in the first round of the playoffs especially if they get a bad matchup the reason why i might be more confident in the penguins right now is because of the way they've played on the ice in the last week that is where my confidence lies it does not lie in the moves that were just made over the last 48 hours if they can continue to play like that then i mean really anything can happen if these pieces can come in and supplement their core then anything can happen but i just don't have enough evidence to think that that is going to happen. I mean, we've all been through many NHL seasons. We know that teams, I mean, look at the Penguins at the start of this year. It felt like they'd never lose a game, but then things started to take a tumble. These seasons can ebb and flow so much. You're so high one week, you're so down the next week. If they can keep this consistent, then maybe my confidence grows in them a bit more. But right now, I don't see that much of a different team on the ice that makes me confident they'll go anywhere past the first round. Joe, I'll let you have the last word. Have your expectations changed for this team based on what we've seen over the last week? Are we allowed to swear on YouTube? Yes, you are. (laughs) Should I? Sure. Do it. 
no, get it out of your like get it out of your sis. Come on, you know you want to. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> in the last week, yes. In the last week, there's a spark that's been lit here. I, I don't know what's happening, but I can feel it and see it. I'm telling you, I can. I the the, the way there's first of all guys like Petrie, Dumoulin's playing better. The swagger. That's a word that Mike Tomlin's often used with this crew. Got to get your swagger. They've been missing it for, for a long time. Jari helps give them that. The two stars, Gino and Sid, are playing really well. So it's a year where you want to capitalize. My expectation a week ago was, uh-oh, they might miss or get absolutely steamrolled in the first round. So am I sitting here saying they're going to get out of the first round? Not necessarily. But they're going to play a hell of a series, I think against a Carolina, a Jersey, maybe a Boston, although I think they're... See, I, I still think they might catch the Rangers. That's an expectation that has changed. They're down to eight points with a game in hand. You win the game in hand, it's down to six points. You have three games coming up against the Rangers through a five-game homestand. The Rangers have to play at Boston on Saturday. If the Penguins win tomorrow and they lose to Boston, which everybody does, it's down to six points with a game in hand. It's three games in the next game against the Rangers. Dave Caulfield said that too today. They might catch the Rangers yet. If they catch the Rangers, then it's a whole different thing. They definitely avoid the Bills. So you're telling wait. me there's a chance. Joe has yes, Penguins wait. fever. I, I want to make fever. sure. Did, did my internet stop and then go and fast forward yeah. there for a couple of seconds? <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm, I got to thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, ask some tough questions there, Jeff. Uh, make sure you get everything out of Hextall. You can. Yeah, and a quick plug. We'll have that whole news conference. Go to our Twitter page, 93.7 The Fan, uh, and we'll have that press conference once it's over. Awesome. Joe, thank you for doing it uh, from Bye, the car. Guys. Shelby, Bye, thank Shelby. you. Bye, Jeff. Enjoy your weekend, Bye. friends. Uh, thanks to Jeff Athorn. Shout thanks out to, to Joe Finley. Sp- yep, Greg Finley yeah. doing a great job producing this thing as well. Thank you, Dr. Well. Finley. Um, you thank guys you, uh, have been great to do this for me. So, <laughs> Thank you, Horace. Uh, holy the bird milk. There's the buzzer. We're done. Uh, <laughs> enjoy your weekend, friends. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Go do your thing. Joe's Whatever your thing gone. may be this afternoon. Yeah, Joe's done. Thank you, Shelby. Bye, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah, so here we are now um, it, with it, the deadline come and gone. And did Ron Hextall do enough? Was it addition by subtraction? Bluger, Kapanen, McGinn out, as well as a handful of draft picks for Granlund, Bonino, and Kulikov. Is that enough to do anything more than get to the first round and possibly lose? to Boston or Carolina or New Jersey, or were these the kind of moves that provided an impact both off as well as on the ice in that they've spurred this team, sparked this team, as Joe put it, into some greater action. We're going to see, as Joe alluded to, after they finish up with Florida on Saturday night, they've got a big homestand against Metro Division opponents, a couple of them that aren't very good in Columbus and Philly, and then they get ready for that week of four games, three of them against the New York Rangers, that could decide exactly where they end up playoff seeding wise and exactly who they will face. We'll be right here to break it all down for you. Be back on Monday. Eric Tank Grady will join me as he does most Mondays. Pat Damp from KDKA. We'll kind of look back on the deadline and everything that happened for the Pens as well as around the league and what happened in Florida and start to get you ready for those games next week as well. Thanks for joining us on YouTube as well. 
And don't forget to subscribe inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts so you get them as soon as they're ready for you on 5th Avenue Faceoff.